So, welcome. Uh, my name is David Morris. I'm Assistant Interfaith Advisor at the University of Westminster. And I'm joined today by my colleague, Yusuf Kaplan, uh, Interfaith Advisor at the University of Westminster for 12 years now. Uh, and uh, trained as a Muslim chaplain. Um, and he's here to assist me in understanding more about what the month of Ramadan represents for Muslims and the experience of Ramadan for Muslims in order that I can better understand and hopefully that's helpful uh, for others too. So Yusuf, is there anything you'd like to add to that introduction? Yeah, thank you David. Uh, yes, so just add that I'm not an Islamic scholar, uh, nor am I uh, an imam or sheikh, um, although I have worked with uh, such. Uh, whilst I was um, living and working in a mosque in, in West London. Um, so I'm coming at it from a practitioner point of view, uh, my working uh, knowledge and experience um, rather than uh, exact references to scriptural texts. Thank you. So perhaps we can start at the beginning with uh, what is what is Ramadan? Okay, uh, so the word itself um, in Arabic um, is a meaning uh, from uh, burning or scorched or extreme heat. And uh, the idea there is that um, when uh, the month, uh, so Ramadan is a month uh, in the Islamic calendar, which we can talk about further, but um, uh, it's said that it was uh, the summertime in the uh, Arabian Peninsula, so extremely hot. And it was a memorable occasion, like when I reverted to Islam in 2003. Um, it was more the end of the year, and it's stuck in my mind, this uh, breaking the fast around the soup with um, uh, Algerian brothers uh, from the kitchens where I was working. Um, uh, they made a, a, a special soup which, which, which they loved and, and I grew to love it as well. And so it stuck in my mind when I uh, entered that experience, the, the time of year that it was. So I guess, you know, um, way back um, when, when the sort of instruction was given, um, uh, to fast that you know the the association with the extreme heat of the uh, Arabian summer time uh, became that uh, named month. Mm. It also brings a suggestion of intensity um, to the experience. Is that something you feel yes. is connected? Yes, thank you. And also this kind of um, purging aspect. Um, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, well, at this point, maybe we can move on and ask, um, why do Muslims fast? And obviously, maybe you've just begun to introduce a bit of that. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, uh, fasting wasn't invented then. Uh, it, it's uh, as old as time, pretty much. Um, certainly nothing new. Uh, and there's different kinds of fasting uh, as well. So uh, the, the, the way of the uh, Muslim uh, 
practice is, uh, as I understand it, um, there, there is the month that is uh, obligatory of Ramadan, um, but there is also um, days in the week, uh, Monday and Thursday, or days in the lunar month around the, um, the full moon, the 13th, 14th, 15th uh, days of that. Um, there's also the uh, fasting of David or Daoud in Arabic, which is a kind of uh, intermittent fasting. Mm. So you fast every other day, and this is regarded as the, um, the best of fasting if you sort of uh, carry that out throughout the year. So you fast half the year, mm. and there's uh, narrations, uh, hadith about this. Yeah. And it's to, um, you know, the, the as it is in the Quran, the, um, uh, the purpose of the fasting is to increase in uh, uh, piety or, or taqwa in Arabic, which is a sort of consciousness of God. Mm. Um, so the kind of the, going back to that thing about the scorched or the intense heat, um, and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking as a kind of a curious outsider to the tradition of, of Islam, but um, is it something like that the fasting is, you know, maybe has the capacity to burn off the obstacles or the things that disconnect you from, from God in that? Yeah, you could um, make that connection. Yeah, I think that's, um, although there's no, you know, authentic basis, but it's the personal interpretation that it might bring more meaning for you mm. as, as someone who practices fasting. You might identify with that, um, or imagine that occurring with the, uh, you know, aspects of one life or aspects of one's life that one would wish to purify or improve. Mm. Yeah. So self, so improving your, um, your religious commitment, or your, is that is that an aspect too? Yes, putting aside all the other things, you know, during the. Uh, timing of the fast, you know, from the dawn to the sunset. Yeah. Just to maybe ask a more, uh, maybe a slightly more um, kind of a basic question, which is, so this was, you know, when why do Muslims fast? I mean, it's there's the aspect of health benefits, which maybe you could expand on, but also um, that this was. Um, an instruction given by um, by the prophet, as far as I understand, is that right? Yes, yes, it was um, not uh, uh, obligatory at first, but then it became such, uh, and that was after the uh, migration to uh, Medina, as I understand it. Yeah. So it was a kind of a, by stages, and through a revelation uh, that came to him from the uh, angel Gabriel or Jibril. Yeah. So, so there's a particular verse in the Quran that, that, that says, you know, oh, you who believe, you know, now is the time to, uh, to do that. And um, the, you know, it'd be helpful to maybe have more understanding of, you know, when and what is Eid. However, we may have jumped ahead there. Um, and I, I wondered, you know, it's the duration of a month, and I understand it's a lunar month. Yes. The duration yes, of yes. Islamic months. Twenty-nine or thirty days. Yes. Yes. So, um, 
you know, I have some understanding of, uh, from the previous conversations with you that um, the beginning of Ramadan is when there's the sighting of the first sighting of the new crescent moon. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I was quite interested by what you've told me in the past about, you know, it's not definitely one day because yes. it depends on a particular sighting from a particular place. Could you kind of expand on that? Yeah, uh, so, you know, we're in the month before Ramadan now. And, uh, you know, I was looking out for the, uh, the Hilal, the, the, the crescent, uh, for the beginning of this month, uh, Shaban, and um, I couldn't see it because it was cloudy. So I've been tracking it from the previous month, uh, Rajab, um, 29 or 30 days. So I know astronomically when the new moon is born that there's no chance you can see the crescent before 15, 20 hours. Um, and then it has to time with the, uh, you know, passing through the sky uh, before the sun sets because it, uh, the new moon follows the sun uh, through the sky, uh, setting into the west or southwest. And um, so if you don't see it, you have to kind of wait until the next day, but then the time's up. If it's still cloudy, you have to begin the month. Mm. And so I'm now kind of marking the days until we, we come to the um, 29.30 um, that should be the start, and it does match with the birth of the next uh, new moon. Does that give a kind of flavour of uh, how it works? I guess the next question, though, for me is that, you know, as an individual, you can perhaps uh, deepen your understanding by paying attention to the astronomical movements and, you know, have that. But with the beginning of Ramadan, it's, it's, is, is it authenticated by individuals on their own or is there a kind of a... Yeah, well, this is a, a huge global conversation, and okay. you have organisations, and um, you know, Saudi Arabia and Pakistan and North Africa and you know, Egypt and so on. There's there's um, even disputes about uh, the, the timing. There's there's calendars that we work to as well, and uh, you know, part of our role at the university is to uh, help with the planning around religious observance. And so we are asked for dates when these things are going to happen, and we all we consult the authentic sources in that that have compiled the information in advance. Of course, yes, and this could be done for decades uh, in advance. Um, however, when it comes down to it, you still have to wait until the um, the night before mm -hmm. to to know whether or not the Ramadan is going to start the next mm -hmm. day or not. It's not the same with uh, other Eid, um, with a Hajj, uh, because um, in that month it's the tenth day of the month, not mm. the first day of the month when so something significant happens. So you have a, a kind of a, a, a lead into that um, time. And, and the Hajj is, is the, the time when um, adherents of the faith are kind of invited to make pilgrimage. Yes, sorry. That, I, uh, no, that's no, okay, but is yeah. that right? Yes, yes, that's correct, okay. yeah, yes. Hmm. Well, we've kind of gone into some deep stuff there, which is interesting, because um, it's not just like, you know, we've talked about this a lot, you know, we have a calendar, the kind of, the general calendar we go by, uh, or I go by, at least, um, where we have certain fixed dates and certain events that happen. 
Whereas when you're paying attention to the heavens and waiting for a sighting of the moon, it, it's a different kind of um, different relationship to time. But that feels like that's a bigger philosophical question, maybe. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, and I, I should say one should fast with the people. So you don't... It's right. not on you to make up your own mind and, you know, yeah. if you don't see it, then you, you don't, don't have do to. It. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, so yeah. if, if um, you know, as we are now in the time of restrictions and uh, some mosques aren't uh, even open, mm. um, so there's... A, a, difficult sense of community there but still you know the, the the sense of fasting with the people when they do it uh, in your area is quite important mm. and that is established as authentic mm. yeah. so when this i think i asked before but i got more interested in the other aspects so uh, when and what is eid we've kind of talked about the commencement of the month yes and now yeah. we're going to talk, talk about so, the end of ramadan yeah Eid in itself, it means feast or festival yeah, as, as a word. So there's, there's, there's the three. There's the one at the end of Ramadan, the one of the Hajj that I uh, mentioned, and also the, the Eid of the Friday, uh, which is every Friday. Um, so you, you can wish someone a, a blessed Eid on, on, on the Friday. Um, but um, for Ramadan, it's the, the first day of the next month. So uh, that's Shawal, and uh, when the new moon is, is coming at the end of that month and the same thing, the moon is sighted or not, and if it's not, then it carries on for 30 days maximum. It doesn't go on to 31 days ever. So um, that, that is the ease, and on that, um, uh, so in the, as the Islamic day begins at sunset, you know, any day. Um, there's no night prayers when that crescent is um, sighted. Mm. Uh, the night prayers are optional, they're called tarawih, and normally um, that's going to the mosque and uh, to have um, it can last for an hour or so, um, standing in prayer, uh, led by an imam uh, congregationally. But so that's the so at the end of the month, that doesn't happen. The preparations for the uh, sometimes uh, three-day uh, festival in some cultures. But the, the main point is about uh, morning prayer. So that's uh, unusual. Um, in the daily prayers, there isn't that. Um, there is the, uh, uh, the point at which the fasting occurs, the fajr or, or, or dawn prayer, and then the next one is the midday prayer. And um, so the E prayer is, is um, from after the sunrise to uh, around uh, before midday. So uh, typically, um, you know, eight, nine, ten o'clock in the morning, that sort of time. And um, you have the prayer first and then uh, a short sermon. Um, but you don't have to stay for the, the sermon if you don't want to. Um, which is the uh, reverse of the Friday prayer where the sermon or khutbah is um, uh, delivered before the prayer. Mm. So you have to stay mm. uh, or, or come before the prayer at least um, if you arrive late. Yeah. So the, the, the festival or the feast day that marks the end of Ramadan and the beginning of, is it Shawal? Yes. Um, so that's a unique day because there is a 
a different time of prayer introduced. Yeah. So that's a kind of a, you know, um, it marks the kind of uniqueness of that day in the calendar. Exactly. Mm. Yes. And then after that is this, you know, because obviously, you know, some of my understanding is less about what maybe takes place during prayer, um, but um, aware of the, the word feast, meaning of, for some people there is that celebratory aspect. Is that a correct way of putting it? Uh, yes, and um, interesting uh, point you raised there with um, not fasting on Fridays normally outside of Ramadan. Um, of course, in Ramadan you fast Fridays. Um, to, to mark it as different from the other days. Mm. And there is that thread running through um, uh, Islam about um, you know, doing things differently uh, to make a distinction. Uh, in, in a number of different ways, but um, uh, here, yes, it's, it's to do that prayer in the morning, um, where on every other day it's not the case. Mm. Yeah, and in Shatwal, um, the um, not obligation but recommendation to fast an extra 10 days mm. to sort of continue the practice a little mm. bit, and there is a one believes it's uh, a huge reward for, 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 the, for the month itself and the 10 optional days afterwards. That's, that's extra and that's yeah. like uh, fasting the whole year. Yeah. yeah. So there's a recognition that by choosing to not, you know, to not kind of um, perhaps end the practice of fasting when you technically have the permission to do so, that by then choosing to extend by another 10 days, you know, you're kind of stretching your capacity or your limits there and demonstrating faith. Yes. Mm. Uh, yeah, your devotion mm. or love mm. for the faith, yes. Yeah. Mm. So, I guess it would be useful to get into some of the territory where, um, you know, uh, as, as I would like to know for myself, but maybe it would be useful to mm -hmm. others, um, so what what can one do to support friends who are fasting? You know, as a as someone who's not Muslim, yeah, what's sure. supportive and what might be helpful for students and staff at the university yeah. to know? Yeah, good question. So fasting is more than fasting uh, of the um, food and drink because it also includes, it's not just food, it's also drink, I didn't really emphasize that point. And it's also about uh, one's manners. Um, uh, so you refrain from uh, idle speech, um, you refrain from sexual desires, and um, things that are unnecessary, um, you kind of uh, draw it into a focus on um, the, the, the faith and the practice and the experience of fasting. You know, you, you kind of connect with that and, and feel it. You know, uh, mm. It's important to, to do so. So um, in this, it's important as a, so in, in terms of supporting uh, someone fasting to be patient with them not to you know come with exciting news uh, if you can help it or or unnecessary um, 
you know, chat. And it, it's good to talk, of course, but sort of um, just to have some respect for that. Um, so un unnecessary requests, uh, just uh, to minimise those, I would say. Mm. But you know, one goes about the day. You know, if if, if one is able to as much as uh, one would normally do. So you, you you work, you would exercise, you would you would talk. Um, you know, there, there is that sense of a, a dry mouth, but you can still um, make ablution, wudu. Um, so rinsing the mouth is permissible. Um, using the, the, the toothbrush, siwak, you might see. It's a natural uh, stick. Um, uh, <clears throat> so you can refresh yourself throughout the day and, and maybe we'll, we'll cover that as well with um, some of the things. Well, maybe we are being issues. Well, maybe we're there already, and um, yeah, I guess because we're on the subject of what you can do to support, you know, friends who are fasting, colleagues. Um, what are the issues that are faced by people, by Muslims, during Ramadan related to sort of travelling, working, and studying? That might also bring out some uh, understanding of, you know, how to support. Yeah. Yeah, so traveling is um, an exemption, like it is with uh, sickness, um, to some extent, not, not just you know, traveling uh, short distance, it has to be you know, reasonable. Um, and also in the modern times, you know, you know, one can travel 50 miles and not really even notice it. So there has to be a sense of, um, ordeal about it perhaps can I ask you yeah. so I think what I'm understanding is that it's permissible to travel during Ramadan um, oh, yes. and that when you travel there are certain you know exemptions for certain restrictions on is that right am I understanding that right that you could if you were traveling does that change what you're obliged to do yes okay but that, you, that you don't need to fast Okay, you don't need to yes, fast. Yes, and in fact, you can uh, combine your prayers as well, but that's another matter. Mm. Um, but, but it yes. can't be an idle journey just to, you know, no, 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 no. As, to get I, out of As I say, the, um, as it was calculated, um, you know, at the time of um, the Prophet, peace be upon him, the um, distance a camel will, will, will go. But um, we say 50 miles is, mm. is, a, is a good measure for. Um, most journeys that it would then become um, an ordeal, but you, you, it doesn't say you you must not fast. You you can if you, you know, yeah. If you can, then do so. I mean, yeah. Maybe I'm getting into things that I don't understand, but modern travel is a bit less arduous than travel yeah, at the time. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So you, you might want to not, you know. Um, obviously, I guess there's some kind of consideration to be applied there. Um, Yes. What about issues related to work and study? Yes. So um, uh, this is some, something that I have been supporting on a, a number of years, and um, how fasting can affect one's focus mm. uh, is is um, is quite a big issue, um, especially around the time of um, assessments and deadlines, and when they're ordinarily quite. 
their important occasions. Uh, so it begins with like basic daily routine and, and, and sleeping. Uh, you know, if you're out doing the night prayers and you're doing uh, um, pre-dawn meal suhoor, which is recommended, otherwise, you know, some people will really struggle to get through the day without that. Um, uh, yeah, after a couple of days of this, it's, it's just not sustainable and, and, you, and you will collapse and you, you'll have to sort of, um, you know, sort of excuse yourself or, or do something else. But, um, you know, to actually get on with the uh, Ramadan and work and study, uh, I put together some uh, basic points which I uh, shared many years ago um, in my role as then the Muslim advisor to Imperial College and they're still actually up on that Imperial website but the um, the points are as follows and there's just a few if I can just run Please. through them yeah so particularly with exams in mind but also you know if, you, if one has a big meeting the next day you know if, if, if you're um, working in uh, professional services as a colleague or, or an academic you know needing to deliver a lecture or, or you know there's comparable sort of weightiness that you would need to prepare for and that's that's really crucial so the night before by rehearsing the day ahead and note areas that might be difficult and kind of walk through those in advance and sort of make, make notes about how you're going to uh, overcome those uh, difficulties. But, you know, imagine it as just another day and that you will get through it and it will be challenging, but, um, you know, that's, that's part of the experience of fasting. Um, yeah, making sure you get rest is more important um, than the optional um, activities in Ramadan, the night prayers. You know, the body has a right on, on, on you to um, look after it. So um, that, that's a top priority. Mm. Um, and, and so the mind and the spirit, of course, but um, you have to be capable of, of continuing uh, in the days. So that um, meal before the dawn, um, suhoor, um, if you can have a like a, slow release foods um you know protein in there um uh, beans are quite common um you know egyptian style or or however you like it um you know not just like fast sugar foods mm. um there's no point um you know if you're a big coffee drinker like me then you need to wean yourself off that because um, that's not yeah, permissible. <laughs> I think I understand also things like tobacco products and others are sometimes... Yeah, yeah. And there, there's some dispute about whether or not it counts and, and with some medication mm. and, and uh, nicotine replacement therapy like mm. patches as well or, mm. or, or the other things you can do, chewing gum. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's best to avoid it entirely mm. um, if you can. But, you know, I understand some people will struggle and it's, it's on each one to do as much as they can. Yeah. And if, if, you, if you fall down, then you have to make it up. 
um, and there is a sort of um, expiation that used to be um, mandated before it became an obligation um, as an option mm. that you had a choice whether to fast or to um, feed the poor uh, oh. like a double handful of um, you know grain or, mm. or, or such food um, per day that you weren't fasting mm. so so there's that aspect to it as well but that's you know it, it's better just <laughs> just to fast and, and yeah. to, um, uh, kind of uh, bear with the uh, discomfort of, of that um, yeah and if you're feeling um, uh, lethargic or, or tired particularly towards the end of the day so for example if you have a uh, an assignment or, or exam um, and there's a later uh, time to be preparing for uh, to refresh yourself with that um, uh, ablution so splashing water on the face and, 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 and all that um, really does help mm. if you're feeling hungry or angry or um, tired uh, or just otherwise um, taken by the experience it, it really does help uh, what about sleep in the day is that yeah there, there is a, um, a practice of taking a midday nap um, either just before or after the midday prayer um, and that's common in the hotter climates when um, also in the summertime here it's, it's easier in, in the winter time in England it's it's not very practical to do that um, but yes um, it, it might be such that that's one way to make it through um, and it's something that I've done when I can mm. um, but uh, the, the, the life in this country doesn't really lend itself to uh, a midday nap. <laughs> Not unless when you're working from home. Yeah, well, we'll see, yes. Um, so that's maybe, maybe a difference this better, year. Better times ahead, mm. I'm, uh, I'm holding out for that, yes. Yeah, but obviously, no, we don't, yeah. have a, we don't have a culture where we, you know, in some other hotter climates where there is a kind of a shop shut during the middle of the day, um, and people do take time out to rest in that hotter part of the day. We, Especially this year in April, it's unlikely. Although last yeah. April was quite warm, but still. Yeah, it's more likely that uh, the tendency will be to just uh, stay under the duvet um, mm. from dawn to uh, sunset. Yeah. Um, so well, one becomes a, a night person. Mm. So you you do everything while you can have that you know mm. of, uh, unrestricted uh, sense of. Um, yeah. So, you know, that's something to be mindful with students, how they are sort of uh, perhaps changing um, patterns of um, activity around uh, more night time. Mm. You know, it always strikes me, though, that they sleep at different times of, of the day throughout the whole 24 hours yields different amounts of rest. And um, obviously we also have a kind of a brain chemistry that's um, that fluctuates and my understanding is that there are certain sort of times of night that if you're persistently awake at that time of night it can actually be quite uh, it can be not so good for your well-being and absolutely so yes. um, becoming entirely 
and nocturnal perhaps could, could actually be um, not the best, I think, for well-being. And on that subject, is, is there anything else in terms of general well-being that yes, you would encourage yes. or things that actually are health benefits related to the practice yeah. of fasting? Yeah, yeah, and that, that's a point to end on, I suppose. Um, but yeah, just to mention on that sort of um, nighttime uh, activity, uh, there is a, a, a practice of um, wait, waking up and praying uh, in, in the middle of the night. Um, so, you know, that's an optional extra though. So that's really for um, those who have practiced uh, and done this over time rather than not doing it, not doing it and then when Ramadan comes to suddenly do everything to read uh, one part of the Quran, one thirtieth of the Quran, it's divided into 30 parts so that you could read a part which is approximately 20 pages every day or every night, you know, and that is done also in the nighttime prayers. So, um, yeah, there's plenty of opportunity to um, extend the nighttime activity, but you really have to be balanced with you know the duties of uh, the daytime as well but moving on to the health benefits um, yeah I was having a look at this um, and there's um, you know new findings with you know uh, scientific discoveries um, the benefits of fasting um, so this isn't so much based in hadith or, or re revelation or or, or that, but um, from what I've been able to find online and, and sort of match different sources, um, they, they range from um, cell repair, so kind of you know, in, in the body, you know, the uh, cells are busy at kind of um, processing toxins and, and, and all sorts. I'm, I'm not an expert in that respect, but um, it, it's good to that level even but uh, reducing weight and the risk of diabetes um, is, is fairly obvious. Reducing stress um, is another, um, although some people get stressed about fasting, I, I, I understand, and they, they need support in that. But it's more the sort of uh, the stress of the, the body and um, you know, inflammation that can occur and, and, and uh, pain, it can have an effect in pain. Um, beneficial effect in pain management. It's good for the heart and the brain. And so the, the um, act, uh, activity of the organs uh, in general, I would say. Uh, it can also uh, prevent cancer and uh, dementia. Uh, there's scientific evidence that that is actually the case. And in general, it can help to live longer, that one sort of exercises that um, sort of self-restraint and discipline um, that um, it, it makes for a, a better life. Yeah. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. That's, uh, what comes across also is that, um, you know, for, for me, um, just to an awareness or a growing awareness of the, the sense of a, a personal growth as well that people may experience in in engaging with this as fully as they can, mm. recognizing when they need to look after their health in certain ways, 
Um, and that through that practice of observing Ramadan, um, much to be discovered about our kind of inner nature, perhaps, or for a Muslim to, to discover about relationship with the faith, but also uh, who we are and what we can manage and perhaps increasing our understanding of our, or our, our understanding of how capable we are actually to, to face something that's obviously quite a, it's quite a huge experience each year and perhaps it changes with more experience. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you Yusuf. Um, I'd just like to finish by saying that um, during Ramadan or at any time, uh, if any uh, students or colleagues at the university um, are looking for support, uh, we as Interfaith Advisors provide spiritual and pastoral support and that could be on something specific related to Ramadan and Yusuf would be someone in particular to bring that to but we are Interfaith Advisors and both uh, have an interest and a welcoming attitude towards people of all faiths and none so we invite you to get in touch um, and we can be reached on interfaith at westminster.ac.uk and hopefully I'll be able to put some links underneath the place that you're listening to or watching this, this discussion. So, thank you Yusuf. You're welcome David, thank you.